Yes, I love the reminder of that verse, that our hope is in God alone. If you're looking for hope today, I don't think it's a question anymore about where you have to wonder where you can find it. I believe you can find it here today at our church. I believe you can find it in the person of Jesus. Our vision for Local City is actually pretty simple. We say our mission and vision is to bring hope local. And that hope is not a feeling or an emotion or something you have to chase or figure out. Hope is a person, and that person has a name, and that name is Jesus, and you can have a relationship with him today. And we want to do whatever it takes to help you experience God, make friends in life-giving community, find purpose, and dream again in your life. I promise you those dreams that you think are dead, God is about to breathe fresh life into those dreams that you didn't even know you had, God is about to breathe some newness and excitement into it. And I would love for you to get your notes out today. We give these notes out to you because I know that you can use what we talk about, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week. And the title of today's message is Three People We All Need. Three People We All Need. What I want to do is give you some tools today, give you some seats today that you have to fill in your life because there's three people in our life that we have to have fill some chairs so that we can move forward. Maybe you find yourself at just a wall right now where you feel like you're trying so hard to break through. Maybe in your faith journey, maybe in your life, you feel like you're running against a wall. Well, I believe that you may be just three relationships away from breaking through that wall. You may be just three relationships away from breakthrough. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, you may be just three relationships away. If you haven't if you haven't guessed yet, we're a talkative church, so I love giving you guys things to remind your neighbor about, but also I love some good hearty amens out there as well. I'm a words of affirmation guy when it comes to my love language, so I need some good amens, some good excitement from the community today because I'm really excited about our conversation this morning. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, here's what it says, and I'll tell you why it says this. It, said, it says, and let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. If 2020 taught us anything, it reminded me how much I need this. How much, I, you know, church online is great and, and watching stuff on YouTube is great and getting filled up through Spotify worship is great, but there's no substitute for meeting together in person to feel each other's excitement, to feel each other's emotions, and lift each other up with our worship and our praise and our focus on the message that God brings us. Because some are in the habit of doing this. But we encourage one another all the more as we see the day of Jesus' return approaching. See, what was happening, the reason the book of Hebrews was written is because at this time the church was being scattered because of persecution. From physical persecution to social persecution, the church was being scattered. And Hebrews is written specifically to the Jewish people to remind them why Jesus came and to remind them who Jesus is and who he has, what he has for them through the forgiveness and freedom that he's bought them through his sacrifice on the cross and his conquering of sin and death. And the author is saying, hey, don't give up meeting together because you can't do it without each other. You can't do life alone. Write this down for me. No life of faith can be lived privately. No life of faith can be lived privately. We can't do this on our own. You need me, I need you, and we need each other. And really the goal I will have for today is to build on this premise, on this statement, is that there must be overflow from our lives 
into the lives of others. There has to have that, that overflow has to happen in our life because if it doesn't, we will find ourselves frustrated. If overflow doesn't happen, we will find ourselves vacated of the purpose that God created us for. Because we've all been given gifts and talents and a soul that wants to care for others and encourage others. And until we overflow with those things, we're always gonna be frustrated. We're always gonna feel like we're lacking purpose. We're always gonna question, why are we here? But I can tell you today, you're here for two things. Number one, to realize there is a good God who created you and loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And number two, he's designed you to overflow into the lives of others so that you can make a difference in the people around you. But when you walk into a room, the kindness level exceeds. When you walk into a room, the the encouragement level goes up. When you walk into the room, the understanding that there is hope, that there is a future for us, that we don't have to give into the pain and maybe present troubles of the world. We can have joy today. Those levels increase because of the overflow that's in you. It doesn't come from me trying to figure this out. It just comes from saying, God, you're living my life. I'm not. Here's what I love what it says in 1 Thessalonians. This is written by a guy named Paul who we're going to talk about a lot today. But here's what it says, the message of the gospel, that Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other, and underline this phrase for me, build each other up just as you are already doing. Paul highlights two incredibly important things. He reminds the church in Thessalonica that, hey, Don't forget what God did for you. His son died for you and has conquered the grave for you and for the church. And he's coming back once again. That's why we have hope in the future that is coming. Because what we're experiencing now is not eternity. When we give our life to Jesus, eternity is paradise. Eternity is heaven. Eternity is with our heavenly father, God, and our savior, Jesus, forever and ever. If you're thankful for that, come on, give me a good amen for a second, because that's where we're moving towards. But just as important, look at this. It's said in the same statement, the same sentence as don't forget Christ died for you, but also Paul's reminding the church, you can't forget this one thing. Don't forget to encourage those around you. Don't forget to build each other up. Monday through Saturday, people are torn down, beaten down. They're told they have to be a certain way or they're attacked or persecuted for so many different things. Everyone's mad at each other because everyone disagrees with each other. And if you and me disagree with me, I don't want to talk to you. Or have, it's just not, it's a difficult place to live sometimes in our culture. What we do on Sundays is we build each other up and we encourage each other. Sunday's the first day of the week because we fill our tank because we know we're gonna have to overflow into people's lives Monday through Saturday because people need what we're talking about. Local City Church should be the worst kept secret in town. That hey, you need encouragement, you need hope, I know where you can get filled up with it on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at Hillsborough High School with a great community of people. We remind people, we encourage them, we invite them to sit in the seat next to us because this matters. That's where we're going today your life matters and your life can make a difference and there's three people you need in your life to break through to move forward to keep progressing in the things God has for you so would you pray with me today I want to lean into that conversation as we pray and bless the message would you pray with me today whether you're here in person or watching online father we love you I'm so thankful for every single person here God I love Sundays not because we get how we get to perform but God because we get to be together 
We get to encourage one another and lift each other up. And I pray the message does that today. God, I pray for all of our amazing kids in local city kids. I pray they would have an amazing time as well to realize that church is fun, a place they can enjoy. I pray you would be with our teachers as they teach them about your love and how they have a heavenly father and a close friend in Jesus. We believe in the next generation and we're gonna pray for our kids right now. And God, we pray that you would just open our hearts. And God, we commit to do two things right now. We listen and we lean in. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you give a shout and a clap and welcome everybody that's watching for Local City Church Online. We're so glad you're with us today. Hey, even if you're watching online, you're part of the family, but we'd love to see you in person because there's some great things coming up. Adrian and I are celebrating uh, this last week. Uh, by the way, just got to give it up for my wife, man. She is a hero of the house here at Local City. Eight and a half months pregnant, leading worship today. It's powerful. It's good. I mean, come on. Just no excuses, ready to go. I'm so proud of you, so thankful for you, Adrian, and you're the mother of this house and my personal hero. So we're, we're celebrating in our house today because my, my wife has such a tender spirit when it comes to helping our son, Shepard, who's four and a half years old. Our next son is on the way any day now, just not for the next 30 minutes. Hold off, please. Um, but oh, we we're trying to show our son, Shepard, again, that he can have a relationship with God even as a four-year-old that he can experience God even as a young age. We take kids' church very seriously. It's not babysitting, it's not childcare, it's church, all right? I want you to know that as parents, even from our baby ages. And Adrian committed to helping Shepherd kind of fast something during these 10 days. And I was like, man, if my four-year-old can do it, I better believe I need to step in to this fast. But Monday, she drives him to school, and he usually listens. Now, he, he is pretty good about this. He listens to some kids' songs about the alphabet, about numbers. I've heard the songs 101 times. So, but he loves them, so you do, things that, you do things like that as a parent, right? You can only hear, I mean, it's, you can hear this song 100 times, but if your son wants it, okay, buddy, yes. But Adrian made a commitment. She said, Shepard, on the way to school for the next 10 days we're only gonna listen to church music. We're only gonna listen to our kids' songs that we sing in local city kids. And he was actually excited about it. He didn't like throw a fit because sometimes when he doesn't get his way, things don't go very well, which is okay, that happens. Even as adults, we do that. But the thing was, he was excited. He said, mommy, I can't wait. Can we listen to more church songs at home? And he sings, and I'm telling you, it's the cutest thing when our four-year-old son, Shepherd sings, Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my friend forever. I'll follow Jesus. Um, there's a song, Making Waves, where he goes like this about overflowing into the lives of others and making a difference. It's awesome. And I see how amazing God is doing amazing things in our son's life as we try and overflow the goodness of God into his life. And that's what can happen in our life to each and every other person. And I think sometimes we need reminders about what God is doing in our life and how God has designed us to live this life. Adrian, just recently, we renewed our car insurance, which is a very exciting thing to do if you're ever looking for excitement in your life. But we renewed our car insurance, and they've required us to put these little things in your car that track how you drive. And I hate these stupid things. Like, I hate them so much. I just got to be real with you and honest with you. Because what they do is they track your driving. And every time you make just a tiny little mistake, they go, beep. And it's horrible. It's so awful. I mean, if I hold on to the brakes too long and try and like stop short at a red light, and it, it'll go, beep. If I like take a turn without slowing down enough, 
beep, right? And it's just, I'm like, stop, I get it, okay? And it even more reminds me because I know that State Farm is tracking me with these little beeps and my rate may go up because of these little beeps about the mistakes I'm making. So now I realize, okay, little thing, I desperately don't want to hear that beep, so I will slow down at a slow pace at the red light. I'll come to a complete stop at the stop sign. I'll make sure I look both ways before turning at the red light. You might be saying, wow, you break a lot of laws. I know you do too. Come on, everybody. We do some rolling stops when we see nobody else at the four-way. I know. We're going to be honest here, and if you had that little thing in your car, you'd stop doing it. Beep. But the thing is, I think in our life, God has some of these that are much less annoying reminders of, hey, that's not how you're supposed to live. There's more to you. There is an exact way uh, to follow the life I've created you for. Here's what I want you to write down. I accidentally skipped this in your notes for the screen, but I want you to write this down. It's the top blank on the back. It says, there can be no growth, fulfillment, or consistency in following Jesus without a complete investment and embrace of community. There can be no growth, fulfillment, or consistency in following Jesus without a complete investment and embrace of community. Make sure to slow down and hit all those blanks because I know if you miss one and you're OCD like me, you're like, hey, what was that blank? I got to get it before I leave. I can't leave until I get that blank in there. Well, it's growth, it's investment, and it's community. And if that paragraph is too long, just think about it this way. Your next blank is that I am not myself by myself. I'm not myself by myself. I am at a lot of times in my existence, my own worst enemy. Man, what I say about myself in here, I wouldn't say about my worst enemy. The negativity and attack that I place on my own mind and my own spirit, my own emotions, man, it knocks me down and destroys me. And I need to get outside of myself and I need to allow community to speak the identity of Jesus back into my life. I need to allow community to embrace me and encourage me and lift me up. There's two practical things I wanted to give you. Number one is I just unapologetically want to tell you this. Sundays should be a priority on your schedule. It shouldn't be just a convenient thing. And here's why. Because we need this. Again, I need you, you need me, we need each other. And we need this corporate experience of God. If the gym is on your calendar, if meetings are on your calendar, but the one time a week where you get to meet with God, with your family and your friends and your, commu- and your church community isn't on your calendar, it's like, a, well, I'll go if I got time or if I wake up. That is not going to work because this only works when you jump fully in, a complete investment and full embrace of the things that God has for you. Not because we have to, but because we get to. And church is not a checking the box, okay, I went. No, it's a, man, this is the workout for my spirit. This is the place I get filled up so that I can overflow. This is my chance to experience God with people around me. For even when I feel discouraged, I know that the worship around me, the excitement and focus around me is going to lift me up because that rising tide helps all ships, right? And so we lean into this. This is what Jesus died for. Jesus died so that we could have a place where we could come to church and he walked out of that grave alive and free so we have something to celebrate every single Sunday. And it's not convenience. It's not obligation. It's an opportunity to experience God and make some lifelong friends where we lift up the name of Jesus together. Come on, I celebrate what we get to do today. And there is no guilt or pressure there. There's a lot of purpose in it. 
I hope as your pastor, you never feel pressure from me, but I can remind you of the purpose that is in these things that maybe we've forgotten about or taken for granted. Let me give you a list really quick, okay? A list, how to get the most out of Sundays. I wanna just give you a quick thing. Number one, I've been saying this a lot recently. It's been on our Instagram a lot. Sunday church is a Saturday decision. It's not a Sunday morning decision. It's Saturday telling the family, hey, you better get to sleep because I'm waking you up no matter what, and we're going to church, right? It's a Saturday decision saying, you know what, it's on our calendar. We're going because we need this. I love asking Shepard on the way home, hey, buddy, what'd you learn? And he tells me about the stories that he learned in kids' church. It's beautiful, and we make the decision Saturday for that to happen. Number two, again, none of this is guilt. I'm just telling you, if you want to get the most out of a Sunday, arrive a few minutes early. We got the free coffee. We got to check in your kids. We got to catch up and see how everyone's doing. But there's nothing better than being here when the countdown ends and the hype and excitement for worship is there. And we walk in and we're just ready to go. A few minutes early, giving God our very best. And I know, listen, I'm about to have two of these little guys. It's hard to wrestle them and wrangle them to get ready to go. But hey, come on in and get ready. Come with an expectation. That's the next thing. Engage and expect God to do something. Do you know that God ask that you would have a holy expectation that he's going to do something in your life. That you don't have to walk in with a, well, I don't know, maybe God wants to answer my prayers today. Maybe God is going to, no, I'm walking in saying, you know what, I got some prayers that I need to lift up and I know God's going to answer them in some miraculous ways. I know I'm going to expect God to move in worship because I do need that reminder that he has a thousand names that will provide for and take care of any situation that I have, that he is who I need first and foremost. And I'm going to expect him with a holy reverence and awe for him to move in my life during worship every single Sunday, every single moment that I get to say, God, here I am. I want to be used by you. Would you fill me up today? Number four, I believe this too. Church begins after service ends. Don't rush out. I know we're going into football season. Florida State put up 50 points last night. Come on, somebody. Yes, it was like a division eight school, but it's okay. It's all right. We're celebrating that win. I could use that. All right. But the thing is, church begins after service. You get to meet someone you don't know. You get to hang in the lobby. You get to connect with someone because the, la- the few minutes after service ends, could be, when you, could be when you connect with one of these three people that I'm going to talk about today that could forever impact your life. And number five is reflect on the way home. Talk about the message in the car. Pray about what was spoken about. Pray it over your life for the next six days. You see how this begins to build into more than just an event. It's an experience. You see how this begins to build in more than just checking a box, but a full fulfillment chance and opportunity to see God move in your life and get connected to a life-giving community. I need this because I'm not myself by myself. And here's what Paul says. He knew this too. I mean, Paul is like, he was 110% committed to Jesus and committed to the church. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was thrown out of cities. He was thrown in jail. And he knew that, I mean, he was following Jesus with everything that he had. And he knew this. He writes in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. One of the most important figures in the entire New Testament of Scripture starts a verse by saying, I don't really understand myself. And I'm like, thanks, Paul. I don't really understand myself either. Thank you. Like, I'm so frustrated sometimes because I do things I hate doing. Why am I still addicted to these things? Why do I still react this way? Why do I still let those things affect me? I hate myself sometimes because I want to get better. 
But I want to encourage you today, it's when we come to that place, and Paul knew this, when we hate the negatives about us, when we hate those things that are breaking us, when we hate those things that are heavy in our lives, it's then God says, all right, well, if you hate it enough to change, I'm here to help you to keep going. If you hate it enough to make a change of direction, I'm here to help you move forward, to heal you and restore you and bring a miracle in your life. And that's what Paul knew. He knew that when I'm weak, I'm strong because it's Jesus living in me and through me. He knew that he may be beaten and broken down and thrown in jail, but you know what? I don't understand myself, but life is not about me anymore. My life is in the hands of Jesus, and he's the one who is going to help me, encourage me, and set my path straight and be there for me when I feel like giving up. Come on, if you've had moments in your life where you felt broken and like giving up, but Jesus stepped in and showed you the light and picked you up and carried you forward, that's what's available to you and me today. And one of the things, the last thing I want to give you just to put on your calendar before we jump into the three people is on September 11th, on Sunday, is Circle Sunday. And I honestly believe we just had our leadership training this last Wednesday, and I believe we have the best semester and season of circles coming in just a few weeks here at Local City. Listen, we get inspired and we get excited in a, in a row on a Sunday morning, but we got to get in a circle during the week. We got to get around a table where we talk about what's going on in our life. We got to get around a table where we can be open and vulnerable because that's where life change happens inspiration and experience happens here in a row, but it's when we get in a circle during the week where your life can truly and will change. Because I believe you're going to find these three people in your circle that you may step into. And I think about the, the significance of that day. I remember where I was September 11th in my eighth grade history class, and the, and the office sent a note saying that tragedy had happened, that the Trade Center had been struck by planes. We tur- I don't know why they thought this was a good idea, but we turned the TV on and watched it all day as eighth graders. But I remember that night, the church I was going to had a service, and it was packed, and it was packed on Sunday, and the Sunday after that. Why? Because when there's terror and turmoil and brokenness and fear, where do people turn? The people of God. Where do people turn? God's house. So when there's brokenness and fear and trouble and turmoil in your life, where do you turn? The community of God. The people in your life that want to lift you up and help you and pray for you and help you know that, hey, even in the midst of fear, we can be strong. Even in the midst of fear, we can have faith. So here's the three people you need, you need in your life. I mentioned the first one already. The first chair that we need to have in our life is we need to have someone who sits in the seat of influence, and that is Paul. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He had a radical transformation with Jesus before his testimony, he was a religious leader who persecuted the church. He killed Christians. He threw them in jail. There's actually even a story of the first martyr where everyone's laying their coats down and handing their coats to, to Saul at this time, which is what his name was, so that they can pick up stones and stone this guy for following Jesus. And it says that Paul looks on with approval, but, God, but Jesus radically changes his life. He shows up in his life on the road to Damascus and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? I have more for you. In a moment, his life changes. Before that moment, he had given everything to destroy the church of Jesus. And after that moment, he gave everything to develop and build the church of Jesus. So you think you're too far gone? You're probably not farther gone than Paul was. And in a moment, Jesus changed his life. Jesus changed who he was. And Paul began to dedicate his life to building the church and pouring into other people. One of the people that he chose to pour into was a guy named Timothy. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy, a letter written to Timothy by Paul. It says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope 
I love this part right here. I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. You need a Paul in your life. You need someone who's gone before you. You need someone who's ahead of you. You need someone who can look back and say, hey, I've been there. Here's how I got through it. You need someone who's been following Jesus longer than you have to speak into your life. You need someone that you can go to and say, hey, I'm not looking for just advice. I'm looking for guidance. Advice, when you sit down and ask someone for advice, it's, you're pretty much saying, well, I'm going to listen to you, but if I don't agree with it, I'm not going to do it. But if I'm looking for guidance, whatever you tell me, I'm going to follow that path. Whatever you follow, I'm going to... Let me just tell you that God honors that. Listen, I know the idea of spiritual authority and influence in the church and in our life has been used and abused. Listen, I've been in church for a long time. I get it. But just because something has been used and abused does not mean it's not part of God's plan. Does not mean it's not because placed in the hands of people, that's just what happens. But in the hands of God, spiritual authority and influence and guidance can be the breakthrough that you need. Some of us need to stop trying to figure out on our own and just sit across the table from someone who's got it figured out already and say, hey, can you help me out? I love meeting with pastors who have bigger churches than we do, who have been following Jesus for a long time. Because when I sit down and I just have an open journal and say, hey, what would you do about this? Or what did you do when this happened? And I just write things down and I don't second guess. Man, it saves me so much time. It saves me so much resources. It saves me so much frustration because I'm sitting and asking someone who's been there, who's done it before and has seen God move. And who am I to say, well, I think I'm still going to do it my way. That God does not honor that. I just got to tell you that. And some of us could be really found a blessing in sitting down in front, in front of a Paul and saying, hey, here's where I'm at in my life. Here's where I'm at in my marriage. Here's where I'm at in my family. Here's where I'm at in my faith. Would you just tell me what to do? Would you just help me and guide me? That's what your circle leader can be in a few weeks because our circle leaders are vetted and trusted. We just don't let anyone do it because of this principle. Timothy's life radically changed. You know why? Timothy's mom had given her life to Jesus, but his dad was kind of in question. Her, her, his mom was a Jewish woman who followed Jesus, who surrendered her life to the teachings of Jesus. And Timothy did that at a very young age, but he didn't have a spiritual father. And Paul saw this and stepped into Timothy's life and said, you know what? I'm here to help you. I'm here to lead you and guide you. You know what you don't see in there? I'm writing to Timothy, my son in the faith, who trusts me every now and then or listens to me when it's easy, or sometimes is going to read this letter. No, he opened it and hung on every word because he knew the importance of a Paul in his life. This just happened to me in a very funny and comical experience of my life. I've been, uh, I've been getting into the uh, practice, the playing of pickleball recently, but you don't know what that is. It's kind of like a an easier version of tennis, but like an outside version of ping pong. It's super fun. We play every Tuesday morning. Talk to me after service. I'd love to invite you to come hang. And you don't, you don't even have to be good, and I'm about to tell you that right now with my story, right? So me and another guy from church, we went to the pickleball courts, and we got there, and I got there a little early, and there was like a couple older ladies there playing, and they were going back and forth, and I was like, all right, well, the court's open next to them. I'll go. You get everything ready. Save the court, because sometimes it gets cutthroat out there saving a court. And they were going back and forth. I thought they were pretty good. And uh, they said, hey, your friend's not here yet. Would you like to warm up with us? <laughs> I was like, ladies, clearly I have a decent amount of age on you. So, I mean, do you want me to warm you up? And uh, I didn't actually say that, but I did think it. I was like, yeah, because I also, again, you know, I want to feel good about myself. So I thought I was going to just cream these ladies. And so I go over and I'm just playing against one of them. And, and uh, she's like, you ready? I said I was, but I was definitely not ready for it was about to commence. 
I mean, that little old lady stood still, I'm telling you, did not move, and had me running all over that pickleball court, sliding and falling, and she was like, are you warmed up? I said, I am, but I'm extremely humbled, and I want to go home and cry right now. So I asked her, like, how are you so good? She's like, well, it's all about placement. It's all about the spin that you put on the ball. I'm like, lady, please tell me, because obviously I am terrible at this, and I need some help. I was so glad my friend hadn't arrived yet, so they didn't witness this. So I think in those moments, though, you can think you're walking into an experience like, I got this, I know better, and then you get humbled. And you have, honestly, two options in life when you get humbled. You can get bitter or you can get better. You can say, hey, please teach me what I don't know because obviously this was embarrassing <laughs> and I need some help. Or you can get bitter and say, hey, you can take your ball and go home and just stay who you always are and never get better and never try again. But that's not what God wants for you. I believe that there's been moments where you have had that moment where God is doing something and it's, maybe it's very difficult. Maybe it's a difficult situation. You feel even embarrassed by what you're having to go through and you turn away from God and you get bitter, not better. Rather than saying, okay, God, this was hard. You had me running all over the place. I don't ever want to go through this again. And sometimes the way God is going to teach you is through someone else. And he's placed people in front of you to be your Paul. There's a person here in our church. Man, I, I, when I go to the, the local coffee shops, Fatty's right down the street. It's at least two or three times a month I'll walk in there in the morning and this guy is sitting across the table just pouring into another young man, pouring into about relationships, about identity, about faith, about his journey. And he just made that a goal of his, a commitment of his to speak into the lives of other people. And I can see the fulfillment in his eyes when he gets to do it. I can see the excitement when he gets to pour into someone else. And I also see the humility in the young guy sitting across the table saying, help me, help me because I can't do this on my own. We need a Paul relationship. We need that influencer. Here's what I want you to write down. We need the person who calls you towards Jesus. And this is really challenging for where we're at today in just not culture in general, but church culture, is that we need that person that calls us towards Jesus, not calls us to comfort and complacency in Jesus. Because we don't always want to move forward, but we have to. We don't always want to grow, but we have to. We don't always want to let go and let God, but we have to. And we need that person that we've given responsibility over our life to influence us. We need that person that we've given permission in our life to speak into us. And I, you may be just that one Paul relationship away of a man and woman or a woman who's gone farther than you and can help you move past those things. Because I love what Paul says, again, to Timothy at the end of his second letter to Timothy. He says this in chapter two or three, I believe it is, if you throw it up on the screen. He says, you know what I teach and how I live, what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You've seen my life, Timothy. Would you just follow it now? Would you trust me? You've seen what's possible. And Timothy moved from being just a student and a son to being a partner and someone who led the biggest church in that generation, the church of Ephesus, over 20,000 people, some scholars say, because he simply said, Paul, you're sitting in the seat of influence. You're sitting in the seat of calling me towards Jesus. I'm here to listen and learn and lean in. If you receive that today, can you give me an amen? Because I just think it's good. It's difficult, but it's, but it's powerful. Chair number two is that you need in your life a Timothy. You need someone that you're pouring into. If you've been saved for one day, you're farther along than someone who is lost right now. You're farther along than someone who doesn't know they can have a relationship with Jesus. If you're sitting in church right now or watching church online, you're a little bit farther than someone who has never stepped foot in church before. Because you could say, hey, you know what? It's not that scary. They're really nice. They get free coffee. The music's pretty good. 
You should come. You could pour into that Timothy. You could say, hey, come follow me as I follow Christ and learn about these new things. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy. You've heard me teach things. This is Paul saying to Timothy, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. This does not stop with us. We have to pass it on. If you, if you don't understand this, when, when we talk about the Bible, this thing was not put in print for a long time. A lot of it was oral tradition where they would sit down with someone and say, hey, here is what you have to memorize about scripture. And they took it very seriously and they passed on what they knew to trustworthy people. Listen, someone's gonna need what you heard about today. Someone's gonna need that they need community in their life. Someone's going to need to know that they can walk into church and not feel judged or condemned, but feel that they belong and they matter and that God has something for them. God is pouring opportunities in your life for you to overflow into someone else's life. He's got Timothy's just waiting saying, man, if someone just would invite me or if someone would just pray for me or if someone would just tell me something about God, who knows what could happen? And you could be that person. You have to have a Timothy in your life. Remember in school, I mean, I didn't do this too often because I wasn't that great of a student, but you ever taught someone something that you had, a good, you had a good understanding of, whether it was math or history or English, and when you sat down and taught them, two things happened. You got more confident in what you knew, and you, you were reminded even more of how much you knew it in the sense of, oh, if I can teach someone this, man, maybe it's got more of an effect in my life than I thought. If, I, if I'm teaching someone this, man, I'm reminded how much Jesus has done for me. And I believe that, is on, that could be the breakthrough that you need in your life that could lead to the miracle that you've been waiting for or leading to that new step of faith in your life where you begin to overflow into someone else. Because the first seat is we need that Paul. We need that person who is calling us towards Jesus. But every single one of us here at Local City Church needs this. You need the person that you're calling towards Jesus. You need that person that you're inviting. Honestly, I have a list of three guys right now that I pray for consistently, that I'm inviting to church, that I'm hoping have a relationship with Jesus one day and get baptized and get connected to what we're doing. And I have them in that seat because that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to overflow into that. This, what I'm doing right now, is not necessarily an overflow. It is, and I love being able to do this, but that doesn't exempt me from the one-on-one -on -one responsibility of investing and influencing and inspiring and inviting people to experience the God that I know and that has changed my life. The same God that's impacted me can change them. And you know, what, you know why everyone in this church needs a Timothy? Is because the people at your jobs, the people in your social circles, the people in your friends and family, they don't know me. So if I show up to the next family gathering and say, hey, what's up, Stu? You got to come to church. They're like, who the heck are you? How did you get to our family gathering? I don't know. I just showed up. That doesn't happen, all right? But if you're there and you say, hey, you know what? I've been going to church. Something's been happening in my life. I don't know what it is. I've never experienced God this way before. I never thought I could find a place where I could call home and matter and belong. But listen, I got an empty seat next to me every Sunday. Why don't you come fill it? Why don't you be my Timothy next Sunday? changes your life because when you get to see that person's life change when you get to see a miracle happen for them it's worth every time they said no it's worth every time they said they would come and they didn't because someone did that for me i had a friend when i was again i told you this before i was a timothy to, a, to my friend as he was going to church and he would invite me all the time and i would say no 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 and one time i came and that's all it took 
And now because of his invitation, because of his, because of his treatment of me as a Timothy in his life, we get to have this thing we call local city church. Not because of any greatness or goodness about me, but because that's the power of God working into someone who simply wants to overflow into someone else. You've got to have that person that's pouring into you, and you've got to have that person that you're calling towards Jesus. Adrian and I got to go visit a family from our church this week, and um, I mean, it's just amazing to see her, the miracle influence that she has now as a mother. I mean, it's, it's, it's a spiritual gift, I believe, she has of having to coach and, and help and mentor. And they've been going through a difficult time, you know, with like sleeping and all that. Just to let you know, it's kind of a, you know, that's going to happen when you become a parent. But just to see her tenderness and her care, to say, hey, I've been where you've been. I've had the sleepless nights. I've had the frustration. But let me, let me help you carry this weight. Let me help you encourage you. So you got to pray for that young mom. And, and it was powerful. In their house, the presence of God was there simply by saying, you know what, I've been through that and I don't want you to walk through this alone. And on the way home, she says, man, that's the most fulfilling thing I do as a pastor. It's not lead worship. It's not get on the stage. It's looking to my Timothy and saying, hey, I want to help you. I want to bring you closer to God. I want to bring you closer to your calling and the gifting that you have. So we all need a Paul. We need a Timothy. And as we close today, we all need this third guy who was a Barnabas. Great name. If you're looking for names for your kids in the future, Here's why it's a great name. We already have a name picked out, so we're good. Uh, but, and I'm not going to tell you until the baby's born in case you're wondering. All right, so here's what it says, though, in Acts. It says, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the, this is huge, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. Here's why this is so huge. His name was Joseph, but all the apostles, the leaders of the church, nicknamed him the son of encouragement. Man, I don't, I don't want the nickname son of excellence or experience or perfection or talent. I want the nickname of the son of encouragement. That when you get around me, you feel more encouraged. That when you get around me, you feel better about what God is doing in your life. When you get around me, you feel closer to Jesus because I just want to encourage you and lift you up and elevate who you are as a son and daughter in the family of God. That I want to be a son of encouragement, meaning that's everything that I give my life to. To lift up people, to serve them and care for them. And everything that I've talked about with Paul happens because of Barnabas. Because guess what? The early church was a little afraid of Paul because he was killing them. He was throwing them in jail. So when some guys come and say, hey, you know who had an encounter with Jesus? Paul, and they're like, oh no, that guy's not allowed here. It's gonna be a trick. And it was Barnabas who said, no, no, no. And God's done something in his life. And what does it say? He's the one who brought him to the apostles and told them, look what God's done. You need a Barnabas because you need this person the person calling you to keep going and the person who is running with you. That's what Sundays is about. That's what Circles is about. We lock arms and say, you know what? Keep going. Don't give up. I'm running with you. There was a guy on our track team in middle school who no matter what length of race it was, whether it was the 100 meters or the mile run, he would always get in the grass and run alongside his teammates. And I'd be like, man, why do you do that? Because I want them to know that they're not alone. I want to help them get to that fastest pace they can go. I want to help them eclipse that final lap and get that last 100 meters the best energy they can. They're my teammate, and I don't want them to think that they're in this alone. I want you to know there are people in this church who want to run with you and help you to keep going. You may feel like 
quitting today, but let me tell you, let me be your Barnabas, your son of encouragement right now. Keep going. We're running with you. Don't give up now. We want to sit in that seat and be that for you because we want to say our role is to say, keep going. Don't give up. We are with you. With you. Church is with you. We just got to be consistent in those things. So let me just encourage you. I wrote, the, I filled in the blanks for you with the notes, but you need to fill in those blanks this week. Go find it. Go ask for it. Someone here in this house, who's your Paul? Go find your Timothy and commit to investing in them and praying for them. And then get around some Barnabases in your life. And I believe those can only be found in the church, I'll be honest with you, because someone can't run with you if they're not running the same race. Someone can't run alongside you if they don't believe in the same finish line that you do. And so you've got to get connected to the church. You've got to get connected to this community. You've got to get connected and say, you know what? I'm here. I'm coming to Growth Track. I'm getting in circles. Because I want to run with some people. Help me to keep going. Compel me towards who I really am in Jesus. Help, help show me. Man, I need these people and breakthrough is possible. We're running with you. We're gonna tell you to keep going because there's more there is more and the best is yet to come and if that speaks to you today come on give me a good amen today